everyone. So thank you. And Yali Admati, uh, you're already out of mute, right? Yes. So when I asked Yali, uh, how should I introduce her? So she said she's a futures researcher and futures in plural. And she's also a techno optimist and a long life learner. So without further ado, Yali, I would give the floor to you. Don't worry, Yossi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm wondering now. I mean, where are you going out of this room? In, um, in two minutes. Uh, so, uh, Yali, um, the floor is yours. Thank you. First of all, it's, it's really a great pleasure to be with you all. Thank you for the invitation. I also regret that we are not in, uh, in person meeting each other. Uh, well, it will, yeah, it will take a while. Unfortunately, one of the <laughs> predictions that it's going to take like two, two years at least until we really go to the, what we call the, the new normal, but it will take a while. But anyway, it's a great pleasure and thank you for the invitation and for the talks we had, uh, Osnat and Maya, and as well for this uh, generous invitation to listen to Yossi, which was uh, very inspiring uh, for me at least, probably for you. I saw, I was watching your faces. <laughs> Uh, so um, simply let's dive in and what I'll do is just I'll start and uh, after fi finishing each, se each section I will ask whether there are questions and then you know we can uh, talk a little bit and then we'll proceed unfortunately uh, we have only like 19 uh, sorry 75 minutes together so hopefully I'll you know, show you, uh, I think more than anything, why I think this is uh, the best time to live in. We are very lucky to be alive right now and especially to be in the business world. So I'm jumping in. I'm sharing my screen. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Do you see everything is okay? You see? Uh, Ma? Okay. Uh, Maya, are you okay? Do you see me? Do you see the share, the screen? We yeah, it's all there. Both you and the presentation. Okay, okay, great. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting. Thank you so much. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Okay, so um, when we're talking about this decade, which is going to be, I think, extremely unique one in the history of the human race in general, we relate to it as the decade of the great opportunities. And one of my teacher, John Hegel, is saying that the numbers are extremely significant, meaning the two is usually, of course, the sharing represent the sharing, and of course, zero represent uh, the infinity. So I think it's it's very interesting to start with it, with this notion. And when we are talking about the business world, we must understand that there are major trends that right now have huge impact on the business world. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about the effect of uh, whether the demographic is changing that we are going, we are having, I think at nine, 2019 was the first year that we had more people over the age of uh, 68 than at, uh, than at the age uh, up to five. Uh, social, we, we see huge social changing, doesn't matter what uh, big movement like uh, Black Lives Matters, Me Too and so forth. Working life, uh, we are going to see four generation in the working uh, um, places uh, in the coming decade. Geopolitics, we are talking about the shift from the west to the east, and what really what are going to be the huge implication, especially if they are going to create, you know, a straight line to what we call India and and Africa and so forth. Technology, where we are going to plunge in in a second. Economic, uh, 
we, if just to give you an idea, we started this the, the, the last decade, uh, meaning at uh, 2010, uh, the total GDP was $66 trillion. And we jumped in 30% and we finished on uh, 2019 uh, at, 60, at 88. No one really even uh, uh, understood that. And we are going to see double or third of this. And, and this is on GDP, which we already know is really calculating only a part and definitely probably not the majority of, uh, of the, I would say, the finance and the economic activities. Business, we are going to talk about it, of course, and what's happening with our clients, with our consumers, which is they're totally, um, they're also shifting because as a result of, of all the other major, uh, major trends, but because they are also, I think, recalculating, reassessing their values, their aspirations, the lifestyle, and especially the I think the coronavirus in many senses is, create, is, is creating for us, I would say, a safe, unfortunately, but a very unusual and uh, safe environment to reconsider, to reevaluate our values, our uh, desires, our life, and where we want to go from here. So uh, there are some uh, talks about the new culture that is being, that is being born in this, at this time exactly, and we don't really see the, the hints of it even, but we are going to see it like in a decade or so. So this is just to give you a very quick overview that there are many things are right now happening, and these megatrends are, of course, colliding uh, and, and, and um, have, you know, each of them is as an once you see the collaboration or the impact, the, the joint impact of them, so you suddenly have total different pictures or possibilities. This is why we are talking about futures and not about the future anymore, okay? It's in plural and not in singular. I want to jump in to, into the technology part because this is my world. This is where I'm coming from. I'm a part of the Singularity University community and a part of MIT community and so forth. So uh, this decade, we have 15 disruptive technology, what we call uh, enabling technology. It, it's enabling or it's disrupting. <laughs> you are and what is your mindset? So what does it mean that we have suddenly uh, 15 enabling or disruptive technologies that are coming to uh, arriving to prime time? It means that they, they are, it means three things. There are two uh, interpretations. First of all, that it's becoming, uh, I mean, the value, the, 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 the I think the price is is uh, low enough that we can really use it. It's much easier to deploy, and also uh, we can rely on them. They are becoming they are becoming reliable enough so we can really use them. And just to give you this, uh, the idea of the impact, the economic impact, when we're talking about AI, only AI is going to contribute about $33 billion, uh, trillion dollars to the GDP the, until uh, 38. We remember we were, we are right now 88, so just one technology. And what is going to be, so each of them huge impact of, oh, and beyond the finance, I think we should understand it's going to be, to have an impact on every part of our life. AI, for example, is going to flow everywhere. This is going to be the new electricity. And what is very, very interesting regarding technology, you should know, is that when it's new, we call it by its name right now. But when it's getting so powerful, as if it's being you know, uh, embedded into the scene 
and, and we don't even rely, relate to technology anymore, okay? We don't talk about electricity right now. Right now, we are talking about the espresso machine, we're talking about the washing machine. We are not talking about electricity. And of course, there are going to be robotics, IoT. Uh, we're going to have a total new uh, web. Quantum computers are going to be a part of, I believe, every company, and they're going to be huge, uh, uh, huge assistant to, any, to, to solving the biggest uh, problems on Earth. Big data, advanced materials, we are waiting to, I think, between 500 to 1,000 new materials. Um, uh, we are talking right now about the advanced material, which are meeting the 3D printing. And then we will have a new kind of materials and of printing, which is going to be a 4D printing. And the fourth dimension is going to be time. And we are going to have materials that can assemble and reassemble by themselves. So it's total, it's, it's very different than what we think right now about material in general. Nanotechnology, which is going to be definitely a part of our, of our body. Okay, we are all going to be to have nanorobots, which are going to do magnificent things for ourselves. Other just, you know, assisting out with the quantified self, meaning learning what's happening inside our body and being really taking responsibility and being the CEO of our health. Okay, and predicting beforehand any kind of disease that might might progress or you know uh, in, in the future. So. Once we know that we, if, we, if we catch any kind of disease at stage zero or stage one, we can stop it. So the nanotechnology is definitely going to be a part of our, I think, mutual uh, experience, uh, everyday experience within the coming decade. The gene editing, meaning changing, uh, I think, the, the heritage herit uh, uh, problems that we might you know, be, be given by our mother or our father. And then again, stopping it even before we are born. Extended reality, we're gonna move from a world that you have the physical world, you have, I think, I would say, um, the augmented world, which we also, and the virtual one, and everything is going to come together and we are going to switch and we are going to take our computers and put them on our hand, our eyes with very uh, advanced classes. And we're going to move very, very quickly between those three uh, dimensions or a reality. And the question is what is really is going to be a totally different one. And, and the answers that we are going to give to this, uh, to, to this question are going to be very different. Energy, everything related to energy. Energy is a moral issue. Once you don't have uh, energy, you can't do anything. If you have energy, you can take care of health, you can take care of education and so forth. And already last year, we got to a situation when, for example, in China, they're closing coal mines, new ones, because they think it's going to be much cheaper. From economical reasons, that before anything else, uh, uh, to create a new uh, energy, to use uh, different energy sources, meaning reusable energy instead of using the old way of, of getting uh, energy. I think in Spain, sorry, in Portugal, they got to, I think, around uh, 32 uh, um, cents for kilowatt, and it's, it's simply dropping exponentially. So it's going to be free in the end, especially, uh, I think, uh, definitely as we use today Google search, you know, uh, at least we are not paying for that. It's energy is going to be, this is the first time in the human history that we are going to have abundant energy, and it's a very good 
I think um, uh, I think it's going to be the best situation, especially for the very poor countries, which usually, which are usually also the sunniest one. So uh, um, just one 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 sentence about autonomous uh, uh, transportation. They are coming. They are going to come so much quicker than we think. Okay, and probably they are going to come in the sky even. Okay, in the air before even we have them on the on on the ground, and they are going to to transform. Uh, anything that we know because we kill today 1.2 million people every year by our wonderful driving and this is one side and the other side is that fifth of uh, the population in the uh, um, I would say uh, you know in the advanced uh, societies can't participate in the workforce and so forth uh, because they have disabilities that prevent them from riding uh, from driving. So I think this is very, very important. So looking at all of this, what I can assure you that uh, uh, by uh, looking at e-technology, you know, I can speak about it hours, but I think much more interesting is the issue of the conversion. And once you understand that when you take, for example, AI and 3D printing or, or, or 4D printing and you take it to virtual reality or extended reality, you get something so different. So it's going to take that to a new world, which is going to be right now, look for us, look, look, it seems to us unpredictable. It's going to be extremely surprising. It's going to be in, in, in many ways, it's going to enable us to do things that beyond our dreams, I can assure you. I don't know whether you are aware of it, but when um, um, Ferrari, Faraday, who was really the one who really created the first, was experimenting with, uh, with electricity, and there is this beautiful story that he was presenting it to the Victor. I think it was uh, Queen Victoria, and she came over and she says, uh, "What are you going to do with electricity? What is it going to be uh, good for?" So the story, uh, I mean, the the urban uh, tell is that she, he told her, "Well, listen, I don't know what you're going, what what you're going to do with it, but I can assure that it, there is going to be a tax on it." So there you go. Okay, it's just to give you an idea. So we, we really can't imagine, but what we can really predict right now is that the amount of changes that are coming in this decade alone uh, is, going to be, is going to resemble to the amount of changes that uh, we had in the last uh, 100 years. And when we are talking about the coming uh, 100 years, we are talking about the amount of changes that we had in the last 22,000 years. So I, I, I can assure you that science fiction is going to become science fact. And I can assure you that the ones that are really worrying about that are the science fiction writers, because right now they really, it's very hard for them to write a story that is going to be 20, 30 years from now. They're saying we need to go further into the future to use our Im imagination because uh, uh, it, in some senses, we, we, we have the ability to predict what might happen or might not. So this is what we this is the scenario planning uh, uh, workshops and so forth. So just, just a, a quick overview of wonderful things that only happened uh, in uh, the last few months. Everybody know, who knows me, you know, I'm extremely, extremely optimistic. And uh, it's very easy for me because, you know, I wake up in the morning, you know, I brush my teeth, I go to my computer and I says, what, what are the wonderful things that happened only, last, only in, the, in the last few hours, okay? So just to give you an idea, um, understanding the structure, of uh, a protein uh, is a 50 years old, uh, um, you know, um, I would say problem that we couldn't solve in the 
the last month of uh, in December 2020, uh, DeepMind came up with a, sol a basic solution for that. And this is uh, nothing short of amazing that two weeks ago, sorry, three weeks ago, you see it was the 22 of uh, July. Yali, it's hard to to hear you in parallel to the music. So yeah, okay, you no, can repeat. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I closed it. I closed the window. Uh, the, the the music. So they came up with a, a full solution, and they're saying we are putting in an open source three three hundred thousand three three hundred thousand fifty three hundred and fifty thousand uh, newly predicted protein structure. It's an amazing. I think news for anyone who is dealing with biology, with medicine, with agriculture. And more than that, look what they're saying. We are going to put 100 million more in the few months which are heading before, which are going to, I mean, like in the middle of, of uh, 2022. But what is interesting that everything is going to be open source, meaning everybody can use it. And I think it's unheard of. When we are talking about collaboration, when we are talking about inspiring each other and giving each other the possibility to contribute and to grow and to flourish, I think it's beautiful. We are talking about computers. We are these, day, these days we're thinking about our laptop or perhaps our phones or whatever. But just to give you an idea that in the future uh, it's going to be simply Love it, app store for my brain. So we're <laughs> so, here in Dubai. So what do we got here? So these are different qualities that you might want to in expertise, foodie. So here, away, right? You want to stay in touch with your loved ones. So you're gonna say, let's filter for apps which help you stay remotely connected. What it means that we are going to upload the apps, but directly to our mind. We talk, we talked about the new materials. So I just give you, I'll just give you two. Uh, two examples you know if i build today a house i can put you know uh, uh, bacteria within in inside the blocks that i'm building uh that i'm using for this uh, building and they are going to sleep until there is some um liquid you know and uh, moist or whatever and then they wake up and they reshape and rebuild and reconstruct the the, the building and and this you know the certain area that they are located in so in in and what we know about this you know in in any case the the issue of this, uh, synergy synergy is going to be crucial in any kind of domain we're going to see physics uh, chemistry and biology going i mean is totally uh, going to be uh, encompassed together to a new kind of uh, science and when we talk these days to to scientists they are saying that this, the physical laws that we have right now are better than the old we had, the old ones we had, but they are not the real proof. They are a better version of understanding of the world, but they are saying in the coming decade, the basic physical laws are going to be rewritten. Unbelievable. We are going to go away i mean when we are saying home and right now we are relating to earth there is going to be a huge change and we are going to live uh, on the moon and of and on mars i don't know whether we're aware of it you're aware of it but Je jeff bezos when he created amazon he told his best friends i'm going to create a large company in order to to, to take all the money and to go and investigate and 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 do wonderful things in the space and he is right now, I don't know where you, you were with, he left 
he left uh, Amazon and he puts all his uh, finance, both uh, personal, but also, you know, whatever he ever earned in Amazon. And now he's uh, creating the infrastructure for 100 million people to live uh, in different kinds of colonies around the moon. So he's working on the moon. Elon Musk is, uh, is shooting for, uh, uh, for Mars. And so let's see what's going to happen. But in any case, we are the last, uh, I think, generation that when we are going to stay home, we are going only to relate to our, you know, uh, our universe. What are your thoughts on the impending humanoid robot? We're going to see robots everywhere. We are going to be yeah. anything we do. We're going to have, and they're going to be, again, we won't call them robots because we are going to have so many of them. So they're going to be the messengers. They're going to be uh, the, uh, you know, it might be, you know, uh, the assistant. It might be the toy of my child. It might be the dog, you know, the artificial dog for my, uh, for my nephew and so forth. So robots are going to come to life. And usually it's extremely frightening from all, from, for all of us. But I think there is a different angle that we will learn to look at it totally differently as well uh, as we are, we are relearning right now how to look about, for example, um, things like um, you know, um, nuclear energy and so forth, which right now is going through a, a process of rehabilitation in a sense, uh, I think on the perceptional level. And we understand that we should use it and not only the usual with the renewable energy. So this is what uh, the CEO of uh, Google saying that uh, artificial intelligence could be, ha could have more profound implication for humanity than electricity or fire. And I agree with him. We created an enormous power. It's going to be powers, not power. And we are only, uh, this is not a mature technology. We are only in the baby steps of what it can, it can do and how, to what we can use it. So what it means that we are right now moving into the information world, anything, we are converting anything into, inf into information and including our body. We are going to start, you know, uh, uh, managing our body like uh, technology as, as information a technology and uh, and once everything is going to be managed as information technology, all our all our perception of the world, what is right, what is wrong, what we are capable, uh, what we are not capable, and this is going to give us, of course, the opportunity to have an enormous amount of data, which we are going to transform into insight and then to wisdom. And in this situation, when you don't have a problem with getting the data and then arranging it, I think what is going to be much more crucial is what are the questions that you are going to focus? And are you going to ask the right question? And are you going to define them in the right question, in the right way? So we call this when we are talking about this from the economical point of view, we call it creative destruction, meaning that all of this will have to, the, the, the result of it is going to be the destruction of the existing, I would say, economic, business, uh, I think, political, social 
way of living and there is going to be a new a new thing i think a totally new platform way of think way ways of thinking ways of operation and this is creative destruction and this is going to meet us in any domain of our lives no domain is going to escape it including for example marriage because if we know that we are going to live to the age of 120 how can you create a, a marriage that is suitable for living together if you're 25 when you're you know walking down the aisle are you looking at this person and saying wow i'm going to live with this person like 100 years well well so we are going to see you know changes in social structure social uh, uh norms uh uh what what is is going to be normal what is going to be accepted and so forth so uh, yali i got some uh, questions from the audience so just to to you know maybe give the outline of of the lecture so yali is is surveying let's say the 15 top technological trends and how would they transform the world around us and as you've seen in the beginning she started with the different uh, walks of life where it would make an impact it's social it's geographical it's economic and so on in the next parts and and again we built this together we would discuss on on two other elements that are implied or are derivatives of those changes and this is the new business models that we will need to um you know to evolve some of them are already evolving and the last part would be uh, the new toolkit that is required for leaders in these uh, exponential uh, times of exponential changes okay so this is the outline now it's towards the end of the um you know the overview about the different technological uh, uh, trends and how they're evolving okay so these these are the parts in terms of of the context so sorry ali you, oh, you no, can no, proceed no, 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 no. would you like me to stop now or would you like me to continue no 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 proceed but just i wanted to give the framework ah, and, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. next I'm chapters sorry. i'm sorry i'm yeah. sorry i thought we discussed it so i'm sorry i thought they got the information i'm sorry i, I i'm sorry i didn't know so i think I, uh, we had uh, i got some text you know we had uh actually the interview with yossi was uh uh, for some people, I think it was really impactful in terms that it's not the usual kind of, uh, you know, interview that we are doing. So uh, sometimes it takes a few minutes to do the context switching, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. No, I would yes. have said what is going to be, you know, the structure. Yes. I thought because we talked okay. about it, I thought they got the information. So yes. it's okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Is it interesting for you? Is, is there things that are not clear or or should I simply continue? No, you can continue. And I think, you know, the, the innovation elements and the toolkits, which we know that is, are coming, maybe are more connected to the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, yeah, but you have to understand the context. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't know. What, I agree. Yeah. So anyway, everything is going to be changed. I, I think this is the main message. It doesn't matter when you if you're thinking about things which in your private life or if you're thinking about something that is relating to your business life or to other categories or domains that you're interested. It's the education of our children is the way we're going to take care of our elders is the way we're going to manage our money, uh, the way we are going to um, use transportation even for business uh, purposes, how we are going to manage our health 
how are we going to construct new buildings? So it doesn't matter. So in this sense, I, I, I hope it's a positive note. We are all together in this exponential change. No one is going to escape it. So I think for me, it means that everybody are going to be advancing together. And I think the corona, unfortunately, was a negative experience. So what does it mean to go through you know, exponential change? I would like to have a more, more positive now one. But I think this gave the, the idea of what does it mean that you have to renounce and to give up on your old perception, your old way of doing things in a second, because all of us had to do that. So I think it was a good experience for humankind. So just to give you the idea about the amount of opportunities from the technological part, and I think it's translation into economical value. Okay, look at it. These are the two. I won't go into the history, but this uh, this slide represents the history of all. Uh, uh, I would say the technological revolution that we had in uh, the two hundred and nearly fifty years, and look how what is what is really uh, uh, waiting for us, which is good news. Because the, if there is so much uh, opportunities, economical opportunities, meaning that we can, from one hand, contribute, but also we can enjoy it. So what is really happening, I think, and this is what we should, you know, I'm, I'm proceeding now to the second uh, part of the conversation or the discussion, is that in exponential change, there are exponential losers, but there are also exponential winners. And the question, the question for each management is what should you do in order to be a part of the exponential winners? Because no one wants to find neither himself, nor his team, nor his company, of course, on the losing you know, side, because it's going to be extremely aggravating to be there. So, so when we are talking about uh, a new situation, an exponential change, the first thing we should understand that we can't use the old toolkit. We simply can't. It's, 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 it's going to be uh, irrelevant. Uh, it's not going to be effective and it might even be dangerous to a company to hang on to the old uh, tools. I think Mark Twain once said that, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, living by the laws of your fathers in an exponent in, in time of change is like putting on the clothes that you had when you were 13 while you are already 50. So I think this is crucial to understand. We have to adapt to the change. And I think what your uh, CEO said was said so beautifully, he says, embrace change. I think you don't have, we don't have any other opportunity, to be honest with you. So these, uh, this is, uh, in general, what is a, a new toolkit. But right now, I want to go, first of all, into, I won't have the time to go through all of them, but I want to start, first of all, with mindset. And really, we have seven mindsets that we can talk about, but I chose what I think is the most, it's the hardest one and the most crucial one. And I'm talking right now of moving from linear thinking to exponential thinking. And I want to explain to us what does it mean uh, linear thinking. All I mean, our brain was developed, you know, a thousand and thousand years ago in the savanna, when um, everything that could have an impact on our life was a day walk, okay? Meaning, and um, and it was very local. Meaning, we grew up in a in a very linear 
and, and, and local situation. And usually uh, yesterday was quite similar to today. So we couldn't have anticipated that tomorrow is going to be very similar to today. Okay. So uh, this is how our work, uh, our mind were, you know, designed. And this is how we can think. And we are very good at linear thinking. So if I tell you right now that I want to go to the kitchen and I, I tell you that the kitchen is 30 uh, steps from where I'm sitting right now, which is of course my working, this is the study. So you're saying, well, you know, she's a normal uh, person, normal woman. Well, uh, and I ask you how far away is the kitchen? And probably you're going to say, well, you know, one step is like a, around one meter, meaning if she has to go to the kitchen, it's going to be about 30 meters. The hidden assumption here is that each step is similar to the other one. This is linear thinking. So 30 steps, meaning 30 meters. But what if I tell you that I have to take 30 exponential steps, meaning two, four, meaning it's, it's, a, it's, um, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's not, it's really, it's, it's, in, um, it's doubling, meaning two, four, eight, 16, and so forth. So it means that I have to run around the universe 25 times, 26 times. I have to run around the globe 26 times. Definitely I'm going to stay thirsty. What is happening right now at this decade is that we are used to linear thinking. Technology is moving in exponential pace. This is the stress. This is the source of stress. And this is the biggest opportunity. And what is happening usually when we are thinking about anything, usually we are thinking in linear ways. So just to give you, you know, some very basic uh, uh, notions. Well, for example, when we talked about, for example, you know, buying online before the corona, well, in the United States, the predictions were that we will get to 50%, you know, in like uh, 10 or 15 years. It happened in two months working from home, right? We said, well, the experts said, well, it's going to take a decade. We switched what? In a day to working at home. So for example, in Google, when the, uh, the engineers, when and engineers like to be very, very precise, they, when they are being called and they are giving, you know, an unusual mission and they, uh, they start to calculate, you know, how much the computing power is going to uh, cost and how much, you know, uh, um, and the data tra tra transformation is going to uh, take and how much, uh, whatever, the devices, the, 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 the worker, uh, the, the, the employees' uh, uh, salaries and so forth. You know what the, uh, the Google management says? Stop. Assume that everything is going to cost zero because they know that in five years, the, the amount, the, the, the prices are going to drop so rapidly. So this is going to be in a break-even situation or whatever kind of project we're talking about. And in 10 years, it might be the most important source of income for the company. So whenever you are thinking about anything, about the opportunities and about the threats, about the technology and about your clients, I think if you can stop for a second, and don't use your regular intuition, I would say, advice, because they are based on linear thinking. And only ask yourself, 
one question. Am I using linear thinking or am I experimenting at least with exponential thinking? And once you use this, you are going to have a total different view of the world. And just a small example, another small example, for example, when we talked about TikTok, okay? No one ever believed that there is going to be any kind, I would say, of, of I would say a platform or an application that is going to be so important for uh, the West and the East at the same time. And for decades, you know, Chinese didn't believe that they can penetrate into Europe or the United States because such a gap in the cultures. And the same worked vice versa, meaning the Americans and the Europeans didn't think that they can really be extremely successful in, in, in China because there is such a, a lack in understanding the culture. And this, you know, small, unusual, might be, you know, you might perceive it as stupid or dangerous or whatever, one small application totally changed the it's a, it's a game changer and this is what we are saying this was an exponential change so anything we are looking at i'm telling i'm telling you you know i'm working with the idf with the you know the israeli army and i'm sitting with the people who are running it and i keep telling them please 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 whenever you're thinking about it are you ask simply ask yourself are you using exponential thinking when you're exploring the possibilities or when you're thinking about the threat to Israel. And I think this is crucial for all of us. So this is the first thing I wanted to, to explain to you. So just to give you an idea, in 10 years, if you have this kind of mindset, meaning in 10 years, you're going to be thousand times better. In 20 years, you're going to be million. And in 30 years, you're going to be billion. So for example, when your CEO talked about doubling the company within three years, I think it's in a sense, it's it's similar. It's it's the same. You know, it's the main. It's the same mindset. And once you think this way, I think it's much easier to uh, go through the ha, ha, you know the everyday uh, hustle and, and and to keep your eyes on on the big price. So I think this is a very important tool. So um, and just to give you another example of how does it uh, you know meets uh, business people in in in, in the. In, in, in decisions, everyday decisions. So there is a question, would you acquire a company that has no profit, okay, is dealing with multiple lawsuits, okay, and not related to your core business? If you're using linear thinking, you won't buy it. But it was bought. There's a company was bought for, you see the, the, the number, $1.65 billion, okay? And this was YouTube, okay? So just, if you really have, you're capable of making decisions which are against, you know, the common sense or, or the common belief. Another one, of course, is uh, DeepMind, which was acquired, you know, when she had no profit, had no product, had no client, and still right now it's losing money. But this is the company which is going definitely change. This is one of the two companies which are going to change the, uh, the face of, 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 of the medicine and agriculture and beyond that. Okay, uh, and this is a small, it started as a very small, uh, I think, London-based uh, company. It's a beautiful story. I don't have time to tell you about the story. So this is it. You make decisions which are against linear thinking because you can embrace exponential thinking. Okay.
The other part, the other tool is looking, having a total, I would say, uh, fresh and a new look at your core business. Okay. And why is it so important? I think this is a very nice metaphor when, you know, this guy uh, was this distinguished person was, um, I think he was in charge of uh, petrol, uh, uh, the, the petrol industry in, I think, Abu Dhabi. And he went to his superiors uh, and he says, listen, and this was a, two, a 2000, he says, listen, we have to prepare. We have to prepare the, when the times that uh, people and, and nations would, wouldn't like to use our products. They wouldn't like to have oil anymore. And this is, you know, it was 22 years ago, 21 years ago. And they said, what are you talking about? Look, look at our position in the market. Look at how the, the high demand, look at the prices that they keep. People are begging, you know, for our, you know, to create relationship with us and to enjoy our products and uh, our capabilities and so forth. And he says, no, 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 no. Listen, the stone age didn't end because there were a lack of stone. Stones, don't forget about it. So it's very important to look at this and to think that right now, and I can assure you right now, there are at least 20 startups which are as wise as you, as you, as your highest management, who are thinking how they can eat your lunch. I can assure you. And what can we put on the table? So they're looking on your core revenues, on your core business, and saying, what can we do? Okay. So this is crucial to look, first of all, at the core. So when we are talking about innovation in the core, I would suggest that you, first of all, look at three different um, places. First of all, when you have fixed expenses and every time, you know, you have to, they are increasing, increasing, increasing. Well, you have to look at it and to look, first of all, look at it from a different angle, meaning using disruptive thinking techniques, like, you know, uh, um, first principle thinking, uh, reframing the problem and so forth. We don't have, uh, just to give you an idea, bottlenecks. Wherever in your business you have bottlenecks, okay, it's a very you know, and you and you always when we have bottlenecks and we have timelines and we have clients and so forth. Usually, what we do, we throw more money, more money, more energy, more people on the. No, it's not the solution. The solution is to look at things from a total different perspective, and then you will come up with solutions which are very different, very different. Uh, and abnormalities that became a norm. And it, you have this in each category, you have it in each domain, you have it in each, in each com, uh, company. And what can I assure you that if you take a newcomer or someone who is very wise, but is not working in your industry or in your company, and you ask him to sit for one week or one month in your company and just to write down what he thinks is, you know, is, is not really... He doesn't really understand why things are being done this way. He's putting a question mark on your practices, on your everyday routine. You're going to see that there are wonderful things that you can do. And usually we said there is money on the floor. This is the expression, especially with abnormalities or abnormalities that became more. So what you should do is when we are talking about that, you need, first of all, to use disruptive thinking model. And you have to have set of solutions. Once you identify a total different understanding of the problem, you redefine it, so forth. Then you can have a solution based uh, on disruptive technology. I'm going to give just one example because um, um, I want to proceed. But I was working with the military, uh, the Israeli uh, uh, military, the, with the, with a the person uh, who is in charge of uh, taking care of all the machinery that we have in the army. 
he was uh, entering, uh, he, he was only starting uh, <clears throat> his, um, his uh, role and he, uh, and he says, I tell, I, and I started explaining to him about disruptive technology. I understood that I'm losing. So I told him, listen, forget about this. Tell me one problem that because of it, you're not sleeping in, at night, that, you know, simply, you know, ripping you off your sleep. Tell me what it is. Well, I have a problem, he says, with the tanks. I understand nothing about tanks. I said, what's the issue with the tanks? He says, well, you know, every year I have to bring all the tanks of Israel, you know, of the military to one spot. I have to uh, examine them. I have to uh, take take response, you know, to do any kind of usual routine service and so forth and, and, and make sure that they, uh, you know, we can still use it for a while. So I says, routine, you know, it's it's a very routine procedure, you know, check, routine checkup and so forth. I says, you know, and, and he says, this is, of course, a lot of, it's a hazard, a, a lot of, it's extremely expensive. Of course, there is also security uh, uh, issues which are related to such movement because he has to, we have to move all the time, you know, all around the, the tanks and so forth. And the people, I says, listen, I understand nothing, nothing about tanks. I can assure you, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm a, well, anyway, even though I'm an Israeli, I'm a pacifist in some senses. So I told him, listen, I know a lot about uh, medical fields. And what I can tell you about the medical field is that 70% of the people who come to hospitals not supposed to come there. They shouldn't be there. We can take care of them either in the home or either in the clinics near their home. So tell me about those tanks. What is your experience? What is the data telling us? He says it's quite similar, meaning 70% not supposed to be there. So this is wonderful. So right now we are reframing the problem. The problem is not how we do it more efficiently, quicker, okay? And perhaps less expensive. No, the question is right now, how we can identify only the 30% that we should bring and then take care of them. And how can we make sure that the 70% we can somehow have, have, have using IOT uh, and so forth to, 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 you know, to quantify you know, their health in a sense uh, 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 on the long term. So this is very small example, but we did nothing. We simply said we are going to redefine the problem. So right now, the whole procedure is being changed. So um, another issue, of course, is using our ability to empathy. We all have huge ability, a deep ability for empathy. And once we put ourselves, but really put ourselves in the shoes of others, and we look at the world and at specific situation from their point of view, I can assure you, you are going to come with in, immense opportunities for creation, creating value for your clients, for your customers, depend where, where you really want to work, but also for you. So this is just one slide, you know, about, this is a part of a huge presentation talking about how all the startups are right now attacking the big, uh, uh, the big uh, fin uh, finance uh, organization in the world. And the only thing that they do is that they focus on the pain point, but they don't only interview the clients, okay? They are living with, with them. It's coming from anthropologic, anthropological, you know, methods. You go and you live with your clients. Okay, you work for them. Don't interview your clients. Go and work as, the, as their assistant for a week. Go with them to all the meetings. And what you're going to see is hidden opportunity that you can't see 
if you're not living with your clients. I can assure you, I did it myself for a few of my clients, okay? Uh, just to give you uh, 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 an example of how then it's going to be translated to using the solutions that uh, are um, uh, based on technological abilities, okay? The new disruptive technology. So, for example, look at what is happening with Bank of America. You have a small business. You want to have a local approval to a loan. It will take you 20 years, okay? And uh, it will, uh, well... Uh, can you do it uh, uh, automatically? Never, never, no, 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 no. And uh, usually, what is the minimum balance uh, for wealth management? Look, $3 million, okay? So, and think what happened during the coronavirus when, you know, suddenly the federal, uh, uh, you know, um, um, ministry decided that they really, they, I think they put uh, 1.6 or 1.7 trillion dollars, you know, within a few months and they wanted to assist the small business to survive somehow, okay, and they had no infrastructure. So who assists them? Only the small startups, which are right, of course, right now, uh, uh, like, uh, say, well, if, you know, uh, th they were the ones that created the solutions, okay? It wasn't the big companies and it wasn't the banks. The bank didn't have the ability to do that. So if you look at this from, you know, this is a solution in the Western world. Now look what's happening right now in the, in the East. Of course, I am financial, definitely in China. So it takes you two seconds and it's instant. And look at the amount of money that you have to do to have if you want to start any kind of wealth management. So you look at the problem but from the eyes and you put yourself in the shoes of your clients and then I can assure you you're gonna come with wonderful idea. Okay, okay. So, um, okay. Another one of course is identifying new emerging opportunities. So if we're talking about digital wallets, so you can see what's happening now in China. Well, uh, look at what happened in uh, 2019 when uh, the total GDP was uh, 14 trillion dollars, but the amount exchanged, the, the, the amount of money that was exchanged, the finance, uh, uh, that was fi the finance activity uh, through the uh, digital wallets was uh, nearly three times more than that. Because the GDP only, you know, we only calculate the part of what's happening in, uh, in, in only part of the activities, but this is what's happening right now. So you look at it and you ask yourself this, and this is crucial. If this is the situation, can I put an ad in another layer, which is economical services to my clients? And this is huge opportunity. And I think a year ago, uh, there is a wonderful co company called A16, A16Z, uh, which is Anderson Horowitz, which is one of the, mo the most important uh, and prestigious uh, um, uh, investor, uh, cap you know, uh, venture capital uh, companies in, in the States. And Angela, which is one of the partners, she got on stage and there were like 200 people in the, uh, in the audience. And she asked them, uh, how, ma how many of you are working right now in finance? And I think it was one third of the people or, or less than that. And then she says, listen, even if we meet in four or five years and you wouldn't change your, uh, your domain, you won't even change the company and you won't even change your um, role in the company, most of you are going to raise hands because there is going to be a, a, a new layer to each company and each company is going to give added value uh, finance services. 
look at it, understand it. Okay. Uh, when we talked about the fact that we are going to move right now <clears throat> to the Web3, which is going to be, of course, from black blockchain, you know, we have all these layers. What does it mean for you? Where are the new opportunities for you? If we're talking about a total different, different in, in, inter, interface with our uh, consumers and clients, what are the hidden opportunities for your company? Because we are going to move from this platform to a new one. Are you prepared for that? Are you thinking about it? What are the services that, you know, behind the corner that you can right now, we should already start working on it when you're using Zoom out, Zoom in, you know, thinking, okay? Okay, I want to talk right now. I'm okay. Oh, I'm running. Uh, I'm working with the time right now. So I want to talk right now about another kind of tool, which we call uncommon collaboration. And this is um, a very, um, it's, uh, I, I, I would say that in a sense, it's, uh, it's usually against the common wisdom, uh, uh, the, the concept of uh, uh, uncommon partners. And usually it means that we are looking for collaboration with, uh, sorry, there is a mistake here, suddenly I see, uh, spelling mistake down there, sorry. But what we are talking about is looking for partnership, not from the first, second or third year, but from the fourth and for the fifth. And I want to explain, and I'm going to give you an example. One of them, one of the examples, and then I'll, I'll, I just want to explain some of the principles. When, for example, Law, one of my uh, teachers in Singularity, Kyle became, he, he, you know, he decided to ditch his uh, a PhD in uh, psychology and to work in the business. And he became the innovation officer of uh, Law. And he was trying to create a totally different experience for the people who want to buy paint or, you know, furniture, whatever. Okay. And he, he, he was looking for solution and he, you know, he simply phoned people in Microsoft. Can you assist? Can you believe, you know, this is low tech and this is totally high tech. And it was already, I think, 10 years ago. And he says, can we use your tools in order to uh, create a totally different journey, journey for the clients who arrive to our stores? And to, their, to his amazement and to the, his team amazement, Microsoft jumped on the opportunity. Because what was very interesting is that uh, Things that uh, seem, seems like a liability to law, you know, having all these warehouses and taking care of all the rental for all the shops and, you know, and, and, and the hassle of people coming in and the doors and, you know, and, and, and repairs of the shops and so forth. But then for, uh, you know, and all these people coming in and coming out and how do you take, how do you track them and what they're doing and what they're not doing and so forth. For Microsoft, this was a huge opportunity because they didn't have face-to-face -face interaction with the clients, with the consumers. So suddenly what was happening is that one company brought something, an ability that the other company didn't have. And by using it, okay, each of them learned so much about the clients. And if we're talking about the organizations of tomorrow, the one that are going to win in the business field, I can assure you in this battle, are going to be the organizations that are going to be very, very fast learner. And you learn much more when you're looking for collaboration which are outside of your comfort zone. Not your competitors, not the, from the coming, the next one, but you know, the second layer, you know, perhaps even your suppliers, but go much beyond that. And another example that I want to give right now is, of course, what Tesla did. 
Tesla, when the when 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 um, when COVID hit, you know, uh, uh, Elon Musk said, "Well, we need to do something to assist what the poor the poor countries." They understood, which unfortunately was totally correct, that there is going to be a, a, a problem with shipment of you know supplies and medical supplies, and of course a vaccination and so forth. So this is instead of relying for, on the West to send to either it doesn't matter right now if it's a you know if it's African countries or if it's a, a, a China, um, sorry um, uh, India, let's create for them local hubs where they can manufacture everything very quickly and to adapt to the local situation, meaning whenever they need it, perhaps might be even with local um, you know uh, materials and so forth. So they went out and they found this partner, okay, QVAX, and they transformed Tesla in Germany. The factories in Germany, they transform it to a hub where you can create mini, <laughs> mini manufacture, manufacturing, uh, uh, you know, entities and send them overseas. Now think about the information that Tesla is going to, to, uh, to get from that how much she's going to learn about what's happening in these countries. And once she goes back to doing her own, you know, usual routine work, you know, and, and building cars, and if they will make a decision, they're probably going to win these countries because they already know how to operate them. Just to give you an idea, okay? So just give you a, a, an, another idea. Now, when we're talking about uh, business models, uh, there is a lot to say, but in general, what we are saying, we are moving from product to serv and services to performance. What are you really going to do for me? And I want to show you a very, I think, uh, quick, uh, uh, very, uh, I would say, imaginative uh, uh, solution. So what happens if you're living in Spain, you run a theater, and you get up in the morning, and suddenly... Uh, you see that the government had decided overnight, you know, to uh, to change the VAT on your uh, uh, the uh, on your um, on your tickets, and it's simply, you know, it's nearly it's it's uh, moving from eight percent to nine twenty one percent. Who is going to come to your theater? So look what these people in the theater decided. What is creativity? Okay, look at this. What's happening? Sorry. Okay, let me just. I'm sorry, what's, what's happening? Leo? Leo? I'm sorry, what's, I'm sorry. And why do I not want to see the Just a second, I'm sorry. I don't want to see the third. Just a second, I'm sorry. There is a beautiful story. Can you feel it? No, okay. No, Okay, sorry. Here we go. So look what they are doing. They are putting, you know, screens and the message is like this. You are going to pay according to the amount of laughs that you are going, you know, that the amount of laughs that you're going to laugh during our, uh, during, uh, during our show. And, you know, you're going to charge only by the loss. And also there is a, you know, uh, there is also, you know, a barrier, you know, to, to the amount of money that you can pay. So look what's happening. So you have a screen 
and uh, simply, you know, uh, they're using this technology to find out how many times you do laugh. And then in the end of the show, you simply pay, you see? And look what's happening. Of course, uh, everybody are getting interested. And of course, uh, the, the, the play is becoming huge success, but also this is creativity. And I think this is a beautiful way to uh, uh, that, uh, you know, emphasize uh, the idea of performance. So this was just one, 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 uh, one issue. The, the other is, of course, moving from product and services to being a platform and then moving to ecosystem and then to operating uh, system. And the, the idea is, is uh, I, I, in this uh, kind of analysis of framework is what is your uh, power in the market? So if you're selling content, usually your, your power is, is quite limited when you're working. Most of us are working in the, in the product or services uh, field. Well, we have a better situation, but not that much. But when you're moving into this one, being a platform, ecosystem and operating system, well, you're totally in a different zone. And platform, of course, is, you know, when you have two sides of the market and you have a demand and uh, you have a, uh, and you have, um, you have a demand and you have a supply and you becoming, uh, you know, the bridge, which is uh, connecting between them and making sure that you're not competing. So I think this is, uh, well, we have some issues with Amazon, but I won't go right now into the model of Amazon right now, but this is the idea. And usually when you're going, becoming a platform model, usually you uh, create huge opportunity for yourself. And this is, for example, uh, some of them, you know, you're, go you're going to enjoy what we call the network effect, uh, meaning uh, depends on how many people you have on each side and, and, which, and how many uh, they are using each other. So, you know, just look, let's just uh, talk about, you know, uh, even if we're talking about only about, about Uber, well, there are more people who are using the car, so it's uh, more beneficial for the um, drivers to work with Uber once you have uh, more uh, drivers we are, which are driving with Uber, of course, it's going to be much more beneficial for the, uh, for the, um, for the consumers or the, the clients because they, they don't have to wait so long and so forth. So this is just, just to give you an idea. Uh, so the, moving into pl to platform is, is, is in incredibly interesting opportunity. Can you do that? How can you do that? And then moving further into the ecosystem uh, model, well, the most interesting right now is, of course, WeChat. When we talked about the amount of uh, digital payment which are being done in uh, in China, well, WeChat is the big winner of it. So, but I want to show you a different uh, um, see a different um, example which I think people don't are not really aware of it, which is um, uh, what we call MeTown. MeTown started, as you won't believe, as a you know a service for food meaning, uh, you know, it was a delivery ser service. And just to give you the, uh, um, just to give you the, the framework, well, if you want, usually the, the, uh, the average price for delivery in, in the States is about $7, and in China, it's 70 cents. So what happened, a Meetown started working, and it became, it totally changes the lifestyle of the Chinese because it became so uh, cheap, to order and they make sure that the prices of the restaurants are going to be uh, as well re reduced because you know because the amount uh, the, 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 the huge demand that they um, you know they created and so forth so and and it was very interesting so they started like this so what happened is that I you know if, if I'm a Chinese uh, lady and I'm starting to use uh, this company uh, you know every day for you know the meal for my children and so forth and I'm quite I'm becoming uh, very reliable and 
uh, on this. And, and I'm very happy with the services because the food is always uh, coming on time. It's never being, it's not spilled and uh, it's warm and, and the quality is very good and my children enjoy it and I don't have to cook and so forth. Well, they change my lifestyle. So this is very interesting. So I'm becoming, I, I, they created trust like uh, by using, you know, everyday, very small, I think, uh, services, but very crucial for me. So, you know, this was accumulating uh, the trust between me, uh, me, the Chinese woman and this company. One day, after two, three years, suddenly I get a message on this app. Listen, if you're thinking about traveling over, overseas, or if you're thinking about, you know, taking a trip to Shanghai to meet your family, and you, if you're looking for a train or, you know, a flight, or you're looking for a good hotel, why won't you use our services? Within three years, they smashed the biggest company in China for that. Because what they did, they took this, uh, the, the vehicle was the trust that was created, but you know, by everyday small, uh, um, small revenue uh, service for them, because you know, you, you earn very little. And they used it to go to a totally different market and disrupt. By, by, and the vehicle was the trust they created, something that you do, you use very, very expensive, you know, uh, I would say something that you do, you don't do on a regular basis, but it's a huge, you know, um, you know, a huge amount of money that you're taking. But then, of course, totally the, 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 the structure of the finance and the business model totally changed. So I think it's a very, very interesting case study and it gives us the idea uh, how to look at it. Uh, hold on. Okay. Just the other, the other one, of course, is becoming a platform. And I don't know where, whether you're aware of it. We don't have right now many companies that became a technology platform, but we are definitely, uh, at least my teachers believe that we are going to see between 20 to 30 these companies, and they're going to be much larger than Amazon and Facebook or Google, probably, or perhaps Google and so forth will be wise enough to move into it. But look what Elon Musk is, is saying. I'm willing to give as an open source all of Tesla operating system. Use it, take it. Because he knows that the company that are going to become the technological platform of the future are going to be the big winners okay so i'm just saying um think about that where can you be how can you move from you know giving services product to being either a platform ecosystem or perhaps of course you know a technology platform the last thing i'm going to speak about so, so we'll have some time for questions is the uh, usage of the sandbox listen I sit with big companies, large companies, I mean, small companies and so forth. And I can assure you, I'm sitting with wise people, but having a discussion with the wisest people on earth around a table has nothing to do with the actual experience of what is gonna happen once our ideas, our thought, our concept meet reality, meets reality. So I think it's crucial to create in each company what we call a sandbox and a sandbox officer or a sandbox team. And the idea is 
to have your, your most wonderful ideas, the one that you believe in them, and create for you um, a space within the organization which is part, which is very far from the core, meaning, meaning it's not going to have a huge impact. And, and unfortunately, of course, won't create a, a danger or a hazard for everyday life and check your ideas. And this usually is being connected with the idea of permissiveness uh, innovation. And I don't know whether you're aware of it, but every page you're looking at, at Amazon, there are between 1,000 1, to uh, uh, 10,000 uh, experiments that are being done on that. And even if you went out of school and your first job is to be, to be working in Amazon, when you have your meeting, you know, regular, your uh, weekly uh, meeting with your, with your manager, you're not going to ask for permission to do any kind of um, experiment. You're going to simply to report on the one that was successful because they embedded this idea of sandbox into their everyday life. And then what we know is that the more experiments, experiment you, you do, you're going to learn much more. So you can, you design, you test, you, you learn, you improve and test and again and again and again and again. So I want to talk about right now about what, what is it going to, um, uh, what opportunity is going to create for your company if you ed, in, in, embrace this idea. So usually if you don't do and you have this idea and you say, well, let's create, you know, a, 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 a go to market a, a pl a plan and so forth. Usually there are, usually when you go, uh, when you look, you know, this, this is statistic, which is backed by uh, very interesting studies. It says, well, it's usually only 5% of chance, but if you do only 20 trials and you learn from it, then you have 64 chances of success. And if your CEO is talking right now in dub on doubling your company within two or three years, well, I think you must think about this, okay? And this is um, just a part of a very interesting study. I took some uh, notes from them. And uh, well, I already sent you the presentation so you can look uh, later and read about it. So it was a very interesting study, which, you know, looked at the grant applications, venture capitals investment, and unfortunately also terrorist attack to find out uh, is, is really failing uh, is crucial for success. And this is why we create the sandbox, of course. Well, well, the, what the, what what the, the the I think what the what the main takeout is that depends on how people fail, and how they respond to failure, and how quick they retried. And I think this is when you create a sandbox, you can do it. You do you can do experiments, you know, day 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 in and day out. And I think this is huge, huge. I think source for learning, and then of course for success. So um, I think you have two options. You can either disrupt yourself or either you're going to be disrupted. And I think this is a challenge. And I don't think this is the easy way. And I don't think there is going to be an easy or comfortable way in the coming decade. But I can assure you that the companies that will embrace the concept of disrupting themselves are not going only to survive, to survive, but I think they're going to strive and be extremely successful in the coming decade. That's it. Thank you, Yali, uh, for uh, being with us and sharing with us uh, your uh, key insights about the top uh, 
disrupting uh, technologies as well as the business models and re the required, uh, let's say, new toolkit for leaders. 